Penn State and Iowa battle this weekend in the biggest Big Ten game of the regular season. Could Georgia's trip to Auburn be an upset in the making? Plus, Ole Miss and Arkansas face off after each team dropped their game last week. Who will get a rebound victory? We'll discuss it next. I'm Jay Smith, and this is After Further Review. And now, after further review, a Clemson student's perspective on sports. Well, welcome in, everyone, to another edition of After Further Review. I'm Jay Smith. Appreciate you tuning in to the AFR show, whether you're watching AFR on Facebook or you're listening to AFR as a podcast, however you're tuning in. Do appreciate it as always. Let's talk week six actions. The week six preview show. We've got some big matchups that we're going to discuss on this episode. Obviously, the headline game uh, for week six is the Big Ten showdown between number three Iowa and number four Penn State. Uh, certainly, the biggest Big Ten game of the regular season, right? You know, now that Ohio State has has lost that game to Oregon, I mean, yes, they're still undefeated in conference play, starting to look better, right? The Buckeyes are starting to be a little bit more of a complete team. We're seeing less mental mistakes, you know, a natural progression. That's what you would expect when you're watching a team throughout the season is that, yeah, they might make a few mistakes early on. There may be some things they need to clean up in weeks two and three, but as the season progresses, we get into week four, we get into week five, now we're coming into week six, teams are really starting to hit that midseason form and look a little bit more refined. But still, Ohio State is not in the position that Iowa and Penn State are in, which is they're not a top four team. And we are going to talk about the two top four teams out of the Big Ten now with this Penn State-Iowa matchup that will take place uh, at Iowa. So that is a significant advantage for the Hawkeyes. You know, you you look at this matchup and you look at the two teams and and how they compare against one another. It's, It's strikingly similar. It's strikingly similar. And listen, Penn State, you know, we talked about it on on the last episode, right? How last season, the abysmal start, first AP preseason top 10 team to start 0-5 in history, nothing was going their way. Yes, the Indiana game was a bit of a fluke, but you could tell after that the wind was out of their sails. They had no energy, no life, and that's what really contributed to that 0-5 start. I think if if you take away the Indiana result and the way in which it was decided, Penn State probably wasn't going to start 0-5. I don't think that's a stretch to, to surmise. But stats this season, these two teams are very similar. And, and I've been very high on the Hawkeye defense all year long. I have said since week one, Iowa has a top five defense. It's up there with Clemson. It's up there with Georgia. We've seen other defenses sort of progress and get better as the season has gone on, right? Alabama has looked more stout on defense, but just looking at points per game allowed, Iowa at 11.5, Penn State at 12. 
That's about as close as you're going to get. Then you look at uh, yards allowed. Iowa right now, 271. You compare that to Penn State's 314. Penn State is allowing a few more yards through the air, about 200 yards through the air compared to Iowa's 184, and 111 yards on the ground allowed per game by the Nittany Lions. You compare that with Iowa's 87. So there's a, there's a little bit of a gap there, right? There's a little bit of a gap, and you're talking maybe 50 yards. Not much, but that is a drive. 50 yards, if you're starting at your own 25-yard line, that's going to be enough to get you down the field in range for for a field goal, right? So, I mean, not a huge difference, but certainly something to, to note, especially when, as we'll talk about here in a minute, these two teams are so close when you compare the rest of the numbers. In fact, you look at their offensive points per game, Iowa right now at 33, Penn State at 30. Now, what's interesting and probably the biggest difference that we're going to see on the stat sheet is yards per game on offense between Penn State and Iowa, right? The Hawkeyes with about 320 yards total offense a game. Penn State's almost 100 yards more. They're at 418. Penn State has proven this season they can be prolific with the passing game. You really have to credit uh, what Sean Clifford, the Penn State quarterback, has been able to do through the air. This is a guy that's thrown... For over 1,300 yards this season with 11 touchdowns. Now, I'm not sitting here saying that Iowa quarterback uh, Spencer uh, Petraeus is a bad, you know, bad player, or he can't measure up to what Clifford has accomplished with Penn State. I'm not saying that at all. It's just that Penn State has had bigger chunk plays. Uh, they've been able to move the ball through the air a little bit easier than Iowa. But Iowa's play style is more ground and pound, right? That's something that I've talked about almost every time we've mentioned Iowa on this show this season. Iowa is a ground and pound, smack you in the mouth type of football team. And the numbers reflect that, right? They're a more balanced team uh, compared to Penn State when you look at yards per game on offense with rushing and passing, right? Iowa uh, is is fairly close to 50-50 in terms of yards on the ground and yards through the air, whereas Penn State is a much heavier passing offense by about 160 yards, about 160 yards more through the air on average for a game than on the ground. Uh, So you've got to think if this Hawkeye defense, which is one of the best in the country, if they take away the running game for, for Penn State and they force Clifford to make throws, uh, possibly out of the pocket, right? He's got to, you know, roll out, whatever the case may be. It, it could, it could, you know, not bode well for the Nittany Lions, right? Because you don't want to be one-dimensional, especially on the road. And listen, Clifford is has played well this season. Again, he's got the 1,300 yards passing, 11 touchdowns. He does have three interceptions. And one or two turnovers on the road are about as much as you'd be willing to give up. Ask any coach, right? You know, one turnover, it's survivable. Two turnovers, you're really starting to, you know, not only lose confidence on offense, right, with your quarterback, but you're going to fatigue your defense. You're going to fatigue your defense if you're Penn State and you turn the ball over. 
and Iowa being that ground and pound type football team, they're going to take advantage of that. Even it doesn't matter what the field position looks like. It doesn't matter if they get the ball at Penn State's 35 or the Iowa 20. They're going to play their type of game, that ground and pound, slow and methodical down the field. They're going to chew up a lot of clock, and they're going to fatigue that Penn State defense, which again, as we've touched on, is pretty stout. This is a pretty stout defense that we have seen out of Penn State. That you know, Obviously, they shut out Indiana uh, last weekend 24 to nothing. Impressive performance against Auburn a few weeks ago, right? That 28 to 20 win over the Tigers when they came to Happy Valley. Uh, even, you know, Wisconsin on the road. They held the Badgers to 10 points. Now, I know Wisconsin hasn't lived up to the expectations a lot of us had this season for them, right? I was expecting Wisconsin to sort of, you know, be in the running for the top spot in the Big Ten uh, East with, with Iowa. You know, I wasn't expecting Iowa to sort of just take the reins from Wisconsin, excuse me, the West. I apologize. I said the Big Ten East. The, the Big Ten West has got Iowa and Wisconsin. And, right, if, it's, if they're completely on different sides of the coin. When you look at, at Iowa, right, a team that's 5-0 and and leading the division, again, the Big Ten West, and then Wisconsin sitting down there at 1-3 overall. They're 0-2 in conference play with Northwestern, Indiana, and Rutgers. That's not great company. That's not great company. In fact, uh, I don't I don't know when the last time uh, the Badgers have been 0-2 in conference play to start a season. That's That would be an interesting statistic to pull up. But either way, it, it, it didn't really live up to the expectations, right, in terms of, of what we thought they could do in the Big Ten West this season. So Iowa has an opportunity to not only continue to add to their resume, right, they, they have one ranked win this season that obviously came – Back on uh, September 11th at Iowa State, they won that one 27-17 against an Iowa State team that was ranked in the top 10 at the time. They were ninth. Um, and then the week prior to that, they beat Indiana, which I realize now the Indiana Hoosiers were, in fact, ranked 17th. So Iowa has two ranked wins this season. Penn State also coming in with two ranked wins this season. Both schools have a ranked win on the road. For Iowa, it is at Iowa State. And then for, for Penn State, it is at Wisconsin. And then they both have a home uh, ranked win. For Iowa, it's obviously Indiana. And then for Penn State, it's the Auburn game from a few weeks ago. So, you know, it's it looks on paper like it should be a toss-up. It, it looks like it's going to be uh, really an exciting football game, uh, a physical football game, right? These are two very physical football teams. That was one of the biggest takeaways that I had from that Penn State-Auburn game was, wow, in the trenches, Penn State looks like they can contend. When you can go up against an SEC team, and, and not just, you know, not a Vanderbilt, uh, not a Tennessee, not a Missouri, not a South Carolina, but a quality SEC opponent. An SEC opponent that is consistently 
uh, in the mix, and, and even if they're not in the mix, Auburn always can play spoiler to almost anybody in the SEC. I mean, they, they are always a threat. When you can go toe-to-toe with that kind of team in the trenches, it speaks a lot about where your team is at. Now, I know that game was at home for Penn State, and I know they had, you know, 100,000 fans behind them in Happy Valley, but it was still an impressive performance, a physical performance. Another thing to consider if you're if you're looking at this game for the Hawkeyes, they've kind of had three cakewalks in a row. At Maryland, hosting Colorado State, and then Kent State. Not a lot of challenge there. Now, the opening two weeks, that Indiana game and then the travel uh, the traveling game where they went to, to Iowa State and traveled, that was a bit of a test. And they performed well, right? A 34-6 win against Indiana, a 27-17 win against Iowa State. And the Hawkeyes have looked impressive the last three weeks. It's just you have to accept that it's not the same caliber of opponent that they have played uh, a little bit earlier this this season. So... I think, you know, on paper, looks like a toss-up. It looks like a game that's probably going to come down to what most big games come down to. Turnover margin. Who turns the ball over and, and who doesn't. Uh, special teams. And when I say special teams, I don't necessarily mean field goals. I mean, are you able to play field position? Are you able to pin them deep? You know, if you're pinning... Uh, a team inside their own 20, every time they get the ball, it's going to make it a little bit more difficult to drive the length of the field and score for, for either team. And just just look at probably the best example we could give this season is the Clemson-Georgia game. That was a battle of field position, and Clemson was on the losing end of that for most of the evening, right? You know, Georgia and Clemson shared the offensive woes that both teams had plenty of issues on the offensive side of the ball. But the thing that Georgia did more consistently throughout that game was pin Clemson deep, even though both teams really struggled to score, it made it that much more difficult for the Tigers. And that's something you've got to consider. So turnover margin is the, is the first one. And that's probably the, the most important one because the momentum swings that come with turnover margin. The second one is special teams, field position, punts, those those types of things. Can you execute? You know, it's 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 it, a lot of that comes down to execution. And then the third and final thing is really who's going to win the battle in the trenches? Who's going to win the battle uh, between the lines? Right? Is is the Iowa Hawkeyes O line going to be able to push around? and create gaps for the running backs against that Penn State defensive line? Will Penn State's offensive line be able to manhandle Iowa's defensive line in a way that we haven't seen this season? Now, I was super impressed with what I saw out of Penn State when they played Auburn, right? The physicality of the performance. But make no mistake, Iowa is a physical football team. And even though they haven't played a good team in a few weeks, right? They've got, you know, Maryland, Colorado State, Kent State, right? Cakewalk games. And the score is reflected in that. You know, they beat Maryland this past week 51-14, to, to 14, right? So, you know, Iowa, they haven't had a challenge um, 
in a while, since early September. I think the Hawkeyes are up to the task. I think the Hawkeyes are up to the task. And I think being at home will play a huge role in deciding the outcome of this game. Now, I'm not going to sit here and say that it's a home game for Iowa, so yeah, they're going to win. This is a toss-up to me. This is a toss-up to me. Earlier in the year, two two or three weeks ago, I think I would have I'd have been like I think Iowa is going to beat them pretty badly if it since it's especially since it's at home Iowa has played more you know uh, physical football Iowa's played more consistent football Iowa knows what their identity is right Penn State was they were still feeling some things out week one week two I mean look, you know Wisconsin was a perfect example the Wisconsin game was a perfect example of this you know sixteen to ten final score. Uh, in favor of Penn State, and then even Auburn a few weeks later, you know, 28 to 20, it took a little while for Penn State to get their groove, even at home. Now, Auburn's not a bad football team, but still, even at home, it took Penn State, I'd say about 30 to 35 minutes of football to really hit their stride. I think this matchup, though, uh, again, it's going to come down to, to turnovers, special teams, and then who's going to win the battle in the trenches? And to me, Iowa looks like the more complete team with, when it, with regards to those three aspects. And I think, you know, their defense is a, just, a, just a hair better than Penn State's. And you can see it in the stats, right? We talked about that at the top of the show. We listed off, you know, yards allowed on the ground, through the air, points allowed, all those sorts of statistics. They're in, they're they're mostly in favor of Iowa, right? When you when you match these two teams head to head, Iowa leads in all defensive categories. Penn State and Iowa are essentially tied when it comes to rushing yards per game. It's just that Penn State has a more prolific passing game, and you see that reflected in the total yards uh, gained. You know average for for both teams in favor of of Penn State again 418 total yards per game for Penn State compared to Iowa's 320 it's going to be a great matchup it's going to be a great matchup it's certainly going to have college football playoff implications again you look at where the Big Ten sits right now they're sitting better than anybody They're sitting better than anybody. I know that Alabama's one. I know Georgia's two. But Iowa's three. Penn State's four. Ohio State's seven. Michigan is ninth. Michigan State. The Spartans, a 5-0 football team, they're 11th. You know, it's, it's only five football teams in the top 25. I say only five. The ACC has two. The Pac-12 has two. But I say only five. All the, the, the lowest ranked Big Ten team, 11th. 11th. You have five teams in the top 11. That is pretty good. Considering the SEC has two. Like, look at the top 10. Look at the top 10. Okay? The Big Ten right now has four Top 10 football teams. Iowa, Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan. 
SEC has two. They have Alabama and Georgia. Arguably the best two teams in the country. I would certainly say so right now. I think Iowa's right there. I think if Iowa comes out and performs like I expect them to perform in this game, to me, I would start to put them on that that Alabama level. Earlier in the year, I felt like Iowa would have get you know would have beaten Alabama, but as the season's gone on, like every other Nick Saban coach team before it, Alabama's gotten better. They've gotten better. They've had they've had answers. They have had answers to issues that you know plagued them in the past. Right, the old Miss game is a perfect example. Old Miss came out and exerted their will offensively on Alabama last season. Alabama had no answer for the whole game. The only way they could beat Old Miss was by outscoring them and just basically playing the type of game that Old Miss wanted to play. And you have to credit Alabama there. You have to credit Nick Saban saying, all right, if this is the kind of game we're going to play, let's do it. And they executed, and what did Old Miss do in the fourth quarter? They kicked two field goals. Alabama scored two touchdowns. Guess who won? Fast forward to this year. Saban had a game plan. He said, we're not doing this offensive shootout thing again. Of course, Kiffin comes out with the, you know, grab your popcorn comment and proceeds to not score. Right? So, you know, Alabama has improved and they have found answers to the issues that were plaguing them in the past. And that's that's what great coaches do. That is why Nick Saban is an all-time great coach. <clears throat> you know, he he understands what he needs to do to be successful and adapt and change. And you have to credit him for it. You, you have, especially when you see schools like Clemson that have struggled this year. Why? Because they, they have, up to this point, refused to adapt on the offensive side of the ball. They've run the same scheme for the past four or five years. Nothing's really changed. It's just been replaced with, you know, great talent, right? Exceptional talent. Talent that, you know, is national championship worthy. And now all of a sudden, they don't, they don't have that anymore, or they're developing it. And so they're lost. Like, if, if you were to ask me, as a Clemson fan, not just as someone who's you know, sitting here talking about college football, but as a Clemson fan, if you came up to me and you said, what is Clemson's identity on offense? I wouldn't be able to tell you. I, I wouldn't be able to tell you. I would have no answer. I would have no answer because, you know, coaches, players, they can say whatever they want. But at the end of the day, when you watch the game and you see the plays and the play calling and the play execution or lack thereof, what's your identity right now? The Clemson doesn't have one. They have no running game. None. And that's not just because they've had a transfer. It's because they have no running game. And the passing game isn't there. Receivers don't look like they're in sync. They don't look like they know what routes they're running. Everyone's confused. Balls are going over their heads. Like, it's a disaster. It's a complete disaster. It's a complete disaster. So having an identity is important. Back to this Penn State-Iowa game, these two teams have identities. They know what kinds of offenses they want to run, what kind of defensive uh, schemes they want to exert on an opposing team. And ultimately, you know, it'll come down to a couple of plays. 
It'll come down to a couple of plays. I expect this to be a very close game. It should be a one-possession game. And I, I can't say confidently that the loser of this game drops below six. I think it, I think either team will be in the top six because Ohio State and Oregon are sitting there with a loss, right? And you would you would expect, you would certainly expect the more teams that continue to win, i.e. Michigan, Michigan State, BYU, even Oklahoma State, even Kentucky and Wake Forest, who knows? They're going to continue to move up. And teams with losses like Ohio State and Oregon, they're not going to drop, but they're, they've hit a ceiling, right? They've hit a ceiling. And, and that happens every year. You know, you're not going to move up with a loss next to your name until more teams lose games. You know, and Ohio State and Oregon are are close. They're as close as anybody else. They're the only two te- they're, they're the only teams with a loss ranked inside the top 12. And Ohio State's loss, you know, was to Oregon, obviously. And then Oregon's loss to Stanford was pretty ugly. I know it was overtime, but you know, the Ducks only dropped five spots to eight, kept them in the top ten. It, it, it's it's really going to get interesting. It's really going to get interesting with this AP poll and the college football playoff poll these next few weeks. I try not to put too much stock in the AP poll, but it is still something uh, that, you know, pay attention to, obviously, uh, as much as I, I detest it. But this Iowa-Penn State game will be the game of the week. It might even be the game of the regular season uh, if it if – it, uh, shapes up to be the matchup that I'm expecting. I, I really think these are two very good football teams. These are two very evenly matched football teams. And this is a 4 p.m. kick on Fox that you don't want to miss. You don't want to miss this kickoff uh, between the Hawkeyes and the Nittany Lions. Again, my prediction, though, I'm going to go with Iowa. I think Iowa gets it done at home. I think uh, they not only ride off the home crowd, but they also are a more complete football team. And they're going to execute just a little bit better than Penn State. Uh, and I think I think if Iowa can shut down Clifford and limit his options, maybe force him to run or do some things that they're not comfortable with, it bodes well for Iowa. Certainly bodes well. But either way, should be a great game. I uh, would encourage you to tune in to that one uh, and, and, and give it a watch. Okay, let's, let's take a break. We come back. We'll talk about Georgia's upcoming trip this weekend to Auburn, and is that an upset in the making for the dogs? Don't want to miss it? That's next. Welcome back to AFR. Thanks so much for tuning in. Do appreciate it as always. All right, we're back now. Let's talk Georgia and Auburn. This is a important game in the SEC. It's a cross-division game. Obviously, Georgia in the SEC East, Auburn in the SEC West, and this is an Auburn football team that still has a lot to play for, right? We, we talked about them in the first segment a little bit there and, and how they uh, had that loss, obviously, back in a few weeks ago to, to Penn State, but certainly a team that has plenty to play for. I mean, they're 4-1, they're right? They're second right now. In the SEC West, the SEC West has been—it's been weird this year. It's—it's it's been weird. 
Uh, LSU is sort of hanging out in the middle of things. Uh, Mississippi State hasn't looked half bad. Uh, A&M has struggled uh, after a pretty good start. Old Miss has had a hiccup now against Alabama. Uh, Alabama's looked like Alabama. That's pretty much the same. But incredibly, only two teams right now in the entire SEC are sub-500. And you probably guessed who they are. It's Vanderbilt and Mizzou. Vanderbilt and Mizzou. Now, Tennessee, Florida, South Carolina, LSU, Mississippi State, and A&M are all sitting there at 3-2. and two. So they're, they're pretty close. They're pretty close. I'm not sure why Florida's still ranked, but they are. They're 20th. Um, personally, I don't think a two-loss team should be ranked right now. We're, we're, we're not even halfway through the season. If you're a two-loss football team, get them out of here. I said same thing about Clemson before they even lost the second game. I said, get them out of here. They, they don't deserve to be ranked. We'll see them come back week 8, week 9, week 10. They'll, they'll get back in. Uh, including the college football playoff poll. Including the college football playoff poll. I don't want to see a team that's like two losses, three losses in the top 15. I just That, that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but still, Auburn, you know, the loss to Penn State on the road was a close game. Wasn't a, a terrible loss. And they're gonna host the Georgia Bulldogs. Now, Georgia is coming off two historic weeks. Back to back back to back shutouts of SEC opponents. First time that's happened since 1980. Obviously, the nas- the last national championship that the Bulldogs won. Can they make it three straight? No. Auburn is a better football team than both Vanderbilt, which you already knew that, but they're a better football team than both Vanderbilt and Arkansas. A lot of people were high on Arkansas. I was not one of them. If you listen to the show, you know. I, I, I thought Arkansas was a good football team, but they're not a top 10 football team. I don't know why they were eight. That's insanity. Auburn, though, I think is a little bit underappreciated and undervalued at 18th. It's a 4 and one football team. It's a 4 and one football team. You know, and, and yeah, right now there's only five one-loss teams in front of them, but, and those those five one-loss teams are, are looking, you know, they're pretty solid. Old Miss, Notre Dame, Arkansas, Oregon, Ohio State, but Auburn's not bad. Auburn's not bad at all. And, you know, you, you look at, uh, at some of their games this season and how, you know, do they have a chance, right, matching up against Georgia? And I was digging in to some numbers here and looking at Auburn. Interestingly, both these teams average 40 points per game. Auburn's right at 40 on the dot. Georgia is at 41. The difference here is obviously Georgia's defense, right? Auburn allowing 16 points a game to Georgia's four and a half, four and a half. But the big thing is both these defenses allow basically the same number of yards, right? Auburn allows 480 yards a game. Georgia allows 440. The difference is in the red zone, Georgia's defense gets stingy and they make plays and they force turnovers. Auburn doesn't quite have that piece to the puzzle. So I think 
it's important to remember when you look at this matchup that while Auburn and Georgia both have good defenses, you know, not just for the SEC standard, but but nationally they have good defenses. And I apologize that the numbers I quoted previously on defensive uh, yards allowed per game were were incorrect. Uh, it was it was too high. I was looking I was looking at offensive statistics. Georgia's allowing 180 yards per game, and then Auburn is a little bit higher higher than that into the 200s. So there there is a little bit more disparity than we originally talked about. When I read those numbers, like those sound really high, but still, you know, pretty stingy defenses. It's just that in the red zone, Georgia makes plays. They force turnovers. They get stingy, uh, especially through the air, especially through the air. Right, 110 yards of passing allowed per game. Uh, it's just it's just insane. And a lot of that, you know, comes at the end of the game. It comes at the end of the game. Just ask, just ask South Carolina, a team that actually scored. The only team, the only, as, as much as I rag South Carolina, South Carolina is the only team to score more than 10 points against the Bulldogs this season. That is an incredible statistic. They scored 13. They scored 13 points in a 40-13 drubbing by, by Georgia back uh, a few weeks ago. You know, Clemson had three points. UAB had seven points. South Carolina had 13. And Vandy and Arkansas never, never got close. Never got close. Whereas Auburn, you know, has had games where you know, they've, they've shut down opposing offenses, you have to be careful looking at the Akron-Alcorn State games at the start of the season. Man, those non-conference SEC games are tough, aren't they? Ooh, Akron and Alcorn State. Oh, and Georgia State. Don't forget about Georgia State in week three. I'm sorry, week four. Penn, Penn State sandwiched between those uh, three bye weeks. It's just insane. Auburn, though, you know, has shown some defensive prowess. It's just not to the extent that Georgia has shown, which goes into this discussion of, will we see an upset this weekend at Jordan-Hare? I don't think so. I don't think so. I think mainly because defense always travels better than offense, right? Your defense, you can count on them typically on the road. Very rarely do you see a traveling team's defense just collapse, miss assignments, become undisciplined, commit penalties. Like that's not something you typically see. Now offense can come unraveled very quickly, especially if it's a hostile environment. And Jordan Hare is a great football venue, right? It will be a hostile environment uh, for that 3:30 kickoff on CBS. But I still think Georgia's defense will carry them through the day, even if the Bulldogs struggle on offense. Even if there, you know, are some some issues. I don't know the status of of JT Daniels, the Georgia quarterback and you know, he obviously did not play against Arkansas, so I'm not sure what the status of that is or if there's any update to that. But ultimately, I expect Georgia to win this game. I expect them to, you know, add another uh, it's another notch in the belt, right? It's another um, resume-boosting win for the Bulldogs. Uh, 
And I, I at the beginning of the year, I would have thought it's going to be a Georgia-Florida race for the SEC East title. Not so fast, my friend. The Kentucky Wildcats, uh, out of nowhere, really, are a four, or excuse me, a five and zero football team. They're a five and zero football team. Now, the you know the first few weeks, right? UL Monroe, uh, Mizzou. Who's this? This third game, Chattanooga. I mean, yeah, oh goodness, this this out of conference SEC schedule, man, it is just so tough, so tough. South Carolina, and they, they didn't look great. They didn't look great at South Carolina. 16-10. to 10. It wasn't a great performance. But what caught people's eye was obviously the win uh, against Florida this past weekend at home, right, 20-13. to 13. It was ugly at times, but they did what they needed to do to get it done. And Kentucky will have a chance to prove that they belong in the SEC East discussion two weeks from now when when they travel to Athens and play Georgia on October 16th. I'm expecting Kentucky to get through this weekend hosting LSU. LSU's got a lot of turmoil right now, and Kentucky's riding high after this big win against a top-10 team in Florida. Uh, And we will see. And and this could be something that, that Georgia is looking ahead to the Kentucky matchup because they understand the Kentucky game will decide the SEC East. And if Georgia, can you imagine, can you imagine the disappointment the Dogs fans would have if their football team looked like the best team in the country, beat down on everybody they've played this year, except for the Clemson game, because again, that was week one, it was back and forth, and it was a weird game. It was a one point or one possession Final score. But can you imagine if Kentucky were to upset Georgia and take control of the SEC East? There is not a single person in the country outside of Lexington who would have said, oh yeah, by week seven, Kentucky will be the lead dog in the SEC East. No one would have believed you. No one would have believed you. I wouldn't have, I would have believed myself. If if future Jay came and told me back in preseason, yeah, Kentucky's going to be your main dog right there uh, halfway through the year. I'd be like, there's absolutely no way. There's no way. They're not going to get through Florida and Georgia. We'll see. We'll see. I'm not calling that upset, but I'm, I'm just saying Kentucky, Kentucky has uh, momentum on their side. Kentucky is not the more talented football team. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to pretend like Kentucky is nearly as talented as Georgia, right? Georgia is head and shoulders way more talented than Kentucky, but college football is a fickle thing. And when you believe you can win and when you have momentum and you have energy and, and that just special sauce, it mixes together, just crazy things can happen. And you win games that you would have no business winning any other year. And if you're Georgia, you can't sleep on Auburn. You gotta you gotta stay focused on the task at hand. You gotta go to Jordan Hare and you gotta take care of business. Because if you don't, Auburn is good enough to potentially cause an upset. And if Auburn beats Georgia, Georgia's gonna have way more problems than just getting through Kentucky. 
you know, then then you're really opening the door to having the rug pulled out from underneath you, right? You've got to get through every week, one week at a time, take care of business, move on to the next one. So I'm not expecting an upset this weekend to, to wrap this up. I'm not expecting Auburn to beat Georgia this weekend. I think the Bulldogs come in and take care of business, but it's something to keep an eye on. And I will be paying attention mostly to see how uh, prepared Georgia looks the first 15 minutes. That first quarter is going to tell me really all I need to know about the mental state of the Bulldogs, right? Because the final score will be what the final score will be. But if Georgia looks kind of like deer in headlights for that first quarter, it'll be the first vulnerability we've seen out of the Bulldogs all season. That's why I'm going to watch on Saturday. I want to see if Georgia looks vulnerable on the road against Auburn with a big SEC East-Kentucky matchup the following week. Are they going to sleepwalk a little bit? We haven't seen that. We've seen Kirby Smart have his guys focused, have them disciplined, and I think they have bought in to what they're trying to accomplish this season, which is win a national championship for a program that hasn't seen it since 1980. It's been 40-plus years. And within a rabid fan base like Georgia has, it's long overdue, long overdue. And they've been close. They've been close. Long overdue for the Bulldogs. So we'll see. Should be a great game. Can kicks off 3.30 on CBS. Auburn hosting Georgia should be a fantastic game. Okay, one last break in this episode of After Further Review. We'll come back. We're going to discuss Old Miss and Arkansas, both teams facing off against each other after dropping their respective games this past weekend. Who's going to get the rebound victory? We'll discuss that next. Welcome back to AFR. Thanks so much for sticking around and tuning in. Appreciate it as always. Again, whether you're watching, AFR on Facebook, where you're listening to the AFR podcast. And I, I just, I, I know I talk about it, it feels like every show, but my goodness, uh, the listenership on the podcast side has continued to grow. We just uh, had the best week uh, that we've had in probably six to seven months. A tremendous uh, and really excited to, to see the continued growth and, and appreciate uh, people tuning in to the podcast and uh, taking AFR wherever uh, they are on the go. Okay, last last segment, last segment of this episode. Let's talk uh, a little rebound action here. Obviously, Arkansas and Old Miss coming off of losses. Uh, you know, Arkansas, I, I, I'm not really sure. I'm not really sure what their mental state is right now. You know, this is a team that no one believed in. No one except Sam Pittman and a few guys in the locker room. And the Texas game was an opportunity. It was an opportunity for Arkansas to make a statement. And they did, to their credit, against a team that was probably more talented, at least on the stat sheet-wise. Huge statement, right? 40-21 to 21 victory. A couple weeks later, they do it again against A&M. Now, both of those games were at home. And as we saw this past weekend, it's one thing to win at home. It's a whole different thing to win on the road. 
let alone score. Arkansas started the season with four home games, and I think that set them up for, I don't want to say failure, but disappointment, right? Rice, week one. Texas, week two. Georgia Southern, week three. Man, that that non-conference SEC schedule, it is so tough. I mean, the, just, just I, you know, how can you get through Rice and Georgia Southern? I mean, well, man. But I digress, right? Four home games. Four home games for the Razorbacks to start the year. And, and to their credit, they won. They won all four. They were 4-0. They were a top-10 team, which was crap, but they were. And they had to go to Georgia. It, it took about 10 minutes of football for Arkansas to realize what everyone else knew. Georgia was going to beat them to nothing. Like, just beat them into the ground. I mean, we practically saw a funeral Saturday in Athens. 37 to nothing. And Georgia let their foot off the gas, right? We talked about it last show. It's 21 to nothing. After, what, a quarter? Just destroyed the Razorbacks. Just absolutely gutted them. Now, Old Miss, the other team in this matchup, They were traveling to Alabama. They were traveling to Alabama. And another team that had four home games to start the year. Excuse me. They they had only played three. That's right, because they had the bye week. I apologize. So they had three home games to start the year. Louisville, right, 43-24 to uh, win. You had Austin P, And you had Tulane. So they were riding high, and you know, they, they, things were clicking on offense. Uh, they they hadn't had uh, any major injuries, right? They they had pretty much all the pieces put to together, and I, I know you know that the Ole Miss the Ole Miss Louisville game was a neutral site game, right? It was played in Atlanta, uh, so it's not technically a home game. My, my point with that is that Old Miss hadn't had to go on the road. But my point in, in this entire discussion is that Old Miss and Arkansas had not had to really go and play a true road game. So maybe that's a better phrasing for all you nitpickers out there. First true road game for either of these teams last weekend. And what happens? They run into some adversity. Some pretty major adversity, right? Old Miss taking on... Alabama at Bryant Denny, I don't envy them. Arkansas taking on Georgia at Athens, I don't envy them either. I don't envy them either. I, I don't. I don't know if there's anybody in the country who could beat those teams at their respective stadiums right now. I don't think Georgia could beat Alabama at Bama. I don't think Bama could beat Georgia at Georgia. I think you have to put those two teams on a neutral site for a third matchup to determine the winner. I really do. I mean, you can't, Bryant Denny and and Sanford Stadium; those are tough places to play. Tough places to play. And Ole Miss played 
well in the second half against Alabama. Right? They they definitely improved uh, on what you know little they had been able to accomplish in the first half. Now a lot of that was because Kiffin forgot how to punt the ball, but that's a whole another issue for a whole another day. The point of this discussion is which of these teams will get the bounce back? Who's going to rebound, get back in the win column? Certainly, both schools want it. You know, this this is a, a game that they want to win. Nobody wants to, to have a two-game slide. And they're both still in, you know, pretty good position to make a good bowl game, right? I mean... You know, within the West, obviously they've, you know, pretty much eliminated themselves from from winning that division. But as it stands now, you you look at Arkansas' schedule, you look at Old Miss's schedule. If they're able to continue executing, they should finish with two, maybe three losses, and and have themselves a great year. And compared to where they have been, compared to where the Arkansas and Old Miss programs have been as recently as last year. This is a huge improvement, right? Arkansas has won four conference games dating back to 2017 prior to this year. And Old Miss struggled. In my time there in 2019 and 2020 in grad school, right? Old Miss was like, like three and nine or four and eight in 2019. And then obviously in, in 2020, you know, playing 10 games, they, they improved their record slightly, but both of these schools, compared to where they have been, are very excited about where they are now. The fans are excited. The students are excited. The administration is excited. Everybody is excited about what Sam Pittman is doing in Fayetteville and what Lane Kiffin is doing in Oxford. Old Miss matches up, I think, particularly well against Arkansas from an offensive standpoint. Now, as we saw on Saturday, if you can't execute and finish drives on offense, that kind of goes out the window because Ole Miss is still figuring things out on defense. Like, Ole Miss has a, we'll call it a decent defense. It's not a great defense, but it's a decent defense. And so, you know, you've got to expect that another team, you know, an opposing team is going to score. I mean, you look at the stats, you see it, right? Ole Miss is averaging about 26 points allowed per game. You compare that to Arkansas, they're under 20. Now, Ole Miss has a much more prolific offense, averaging 45 points a game to Arkansas's 28. So, to me, you know, you look at the offense, the defense, all these different categories, it's going to come down to, is this a high-scoring game? Is it a shootout? If so, that favors Ole Miss. Is it going to be a lower-scoring game? If so, it favors Arkansas. And that, that I know I use that comparison a lot, but that's typically what you see. That's typically what you see when you look at a matchup is if it's a higher scoring affair, it favors this type of team because this is the type of offense they play. And if it's a lower scoring game, it's going to favor the other team because of the defensive scheme, you know, whatever reason it may be. That's just, that's just a good way to gauge. Now, all that said, you know, what do I think is going to happen here? I expect Old Miss to pick up where they left off in the second half of the Alabama game and continue to execute on offense. I think the Rebels will hang 50 points on Arkansas. I think they will. 
I mean, they, they, you know, they were able to do it. Old Miss was against Tulane. They were able to do it against Austin P. They almost did it against Louisville, right? Scored 43. The only team that they haven't been able to do it against this season was Alabama. And that was only for the first half. That was only for the first half. The second half was a different story. Arkansas doesn't have Alabama's caliber of defense. They have a good defense, but it's not Alabama's. So Old Miss is going to score points against the Razorbacks. And if we get into that type of football game, it's not exactly the best matchup for Arkansas. Arkansas can score. Arkansas can move the ball. They're averaging, you know, just over 400 yards a game. Old Miss is at 550. Arkansas is averaging less than 30 points per game. Old Miss is at 45. That's a two touchdown. That's almost a three possession difference in terms of points per game. So if we see Old Miss come out red hot, let's say they score 24 in the first half, and Arkansas is in a 10 or you know, worse point hole, right? They're in a 14-point hole going into the locker room. It's not, it's not going to look good for the Razorbacks. So I think Old Miss will win this one uh, because, again, so far we've seen this season, they've been able to execute on offense pretty consistently. It's just, again, that 30 minutes of football at, uh, at Alabama where they had issues not that Arkansas won't perform well. I'm expecting a close game. I'm expecting a good game, a competitive game, a, a game between two teams who want to win, a game between two teams who believe they can win, who believe that they're going to have great years. And by historical comparison these past few seasons, they've kind of already had good years. They're ranked, and that's not typically something we see with Old Miss and Arkansas, at least the last few years, right? It's been a little while. And what's even more impressive is this is a top 20 matchup. Like, when's the last time Old Miss and Arkansas was a top 20 game? You know, that, that feeds into the AP poll, which, as as I know we've mentioned, I, I'm not a fan of. But but still, right? I, mean, I think the, the big thing here is let's celebrate the fact that both of these teams don't suck. They're decent. It's going to be fun. It's, it's, it should be a great game to watch. It should be a great game. To, and it kicks off at noon. Watch this game at noon. This is your noon kickoff. Noon on ESPN. You go 3.30 to, to CBS, right, to watch your Georgia and Auburn game. And then you flip it over at 4 o'clock on Fox to watch Iowa and Penn State. At, boom, that's your Saturday. And then you got Pac-12 after dark. That's your Saturday. This is a phenomenal noon kickoff game. Phenomenal. And I think it'll be a must-watch. Ultimately, though, I think Old Miss will get the win. They'll be able to rebound. And Arkansas will continue to have a good year. Arkansas will continue to have a good year. Don't count out the Razorbacks. You know, they'll have an opportunity the following week against Auburn. But later in the season, when they have Mississippi State, LSU, Mizzou, they're going to win those games. The Alabama game on the road, November 20th, will, will be tough for them. But if this Arkansas team finishes with three or four losses, how would you be disappointed with how would you be disappointed with eight and four or nine and three? You know, if they finish nine and three with an opportunity to go double digit win season in a bowl game, that would be huge. Huge. So the future's bright for both these programs. I, I can't uh, say that we all thought that was going to be the case a few years ago. 
There was a lot of optimism around Lane Kiffin, but with Sam Pittman and Arkansas, no one really expected them to be a top 10 team or a team that started the season 3-0, 4-0, you know, and, and, uh, and it had been as hot as we've seen them uh, play this season. You know, they, they played inspired against uh, Texas and, and, and um, you know, Texas in, in, in week two. And then, obviously, you know, Texas A&M. But, yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be a good game for, for sure. Definitely will want to tune in. Uh, and there's a lot of other good games this weekend. And don't forget to get your picks in. The AFR Pick'em League is still, still going strong. And, in fact, when we pull up the, the standings and, and check on the standings to see how things are going, it's, it's still pretty tight. The leaderboard is still fairly tight. I've had a little bit of separation now. There's some people that are close to me. I'm, I'm still sitting up there with the top spot, 32 and 18 overall. We got, uh, it's like Trevor is a few points behind. He's at 300. Got Alex at 290. Jackson at 290. There's some, there's some people that are close, that are really close. If I hadn't, I guess if I hadn't picked Old Miss to beat Alabama, it'd be a little bit higher, but it's uh, it's certainly been a fun uh, fun thing to do uh, these past few weeks throughout the season. Again, get your picks in to, to keep keep being a part of that week after week. So uh, we'll see you here uh, on Monday for the week six recap show. Appreciate you tuning in. Enjoy the games this weekend. We'll talk it and break it down all next week. Till then, see you next time. I'm Jay Smith. And this has been After Further Review.